We live in a world today where many golden images are presented to us and there is sometimes the obvious and sometimes the not so obvious pressure to bow our knees to these golden images. Sometimes the consequence of not bowing to these golden images can be very threatening like the fiery furnace. The real test is whether we will stand by our allegiance to our Lord and to the word he has given to us or will we yield to the pressure, bow our knees and live a life of compromise. Some of you can, others, it's okay. Let's stand to our feet, make a declaration this morning um, together. If you brought your Bible, uh, please hold it high up in the air and let's say this loud, bold and strong saying what God's word says about us. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him... I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. I want us to take some time to go back to a story that many of us would have heard in kids' church, children's church. And yet it's a story that challenges us in our day today. It's that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew young men in Babylon. We know the background to this whole story. We know how Nebuchadnezzar had attacked Jerusalem, captured the people, taken several of them as captives over into Babylon. Daniel was one of them and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And we know the story of what took place in chapter 1 and chapter 2. We looked at that part last Sunday when we talked about Daniel. So by this time, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego have gone through the training that was provided in Babylon, three years. They've been trained in all the language and the literature and the science of the Babylonians. They've come out. And they have started serving in the courts of the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been appointed as part of the administration of the city of Babylon. So you can imagine something like Bangalore City and these three people are part of the administration. They're part of the government and they've given certain responsibilities uh, to take care of the city. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego have been spending their time working as part of King Nebuchadnezzar's government taking care of Babylon. And right there in that city, Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to set up this huge big golden image. So he gets to set up there in, in, a, in, a, pro, in a part of the province, that's, uh, part of that province that's called Dura. He gets this whole golden image set up. And then he, then the day of the inauguration arrives and he says, on this day, here's my plan. 
We're going to get all the musicians together. And uh, at the sound of the music, I want everybody to bow and worship this golden image that I've set up. As an act of worship to his gods. Now you know the story. How Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused to bow. They refused to bow. And so, some of these Babylonians are working for King, King Nebuchadnezzar. They go back to the king and say, King, here's a problem. There are three men whom you appointed. They're working in your office. You're paying their salaries. You're feeding them. You're taking care of them. And these three Hebrew men have refused to bow to the golden image that you've set up. They refuse to bow to it. So obviously King Nebuchadnezzar is very angry. He says, bring them to me. And we pick up the story here in Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, we'll go to Daniel chapter 3 and just begin there at verse 14. Just to see this interaction between these three young men and King Nebuchadnezzar. Who is at that point a world emperor, a ruler, powerful man. Here's what happens. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall, and, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So here he brings these three young men and he proposes an option. He says, guys, maybe you just you know, had a bad day. Maybe you're not just thinking right. Maybe something's wrong. Whatever it is, I'm giving you one more chance. I'm giving you an option. I'm going to have them play the music again. And if you will bow to this image and serve my gods, everything's good for you. But if you don't, and I'm repeating again, if you don't, there's only one thing that's going to happen. I'm going to put you in this fiery furnace. It's almost like giving them a second chance. Look, guys. Think about what you're, what, you, what you're doing. Think about the stand you're taking. Maybe it's not that important after all. Maybe you don't have to stand up for your God. And maybe it's okay worshiping my God. I'm giving you another chance. Take it. It's wonderful to read their response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's king. We've made up our minds. Our hearts are settled. Our commitment is sure. There's nothing we can talk about. There's nothing we want to discuss. There is no negotiation. We're not looking here for some better options or alternatives. It's a closed case. We have nothing to tell you. Verse 17. 
if that is the case, I mean, if you are putting this threat before us, here's our response. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. The king, the God we serve is able to take care of us. And I'm sure these young men knew their faith. I'm sure they were taught in in. And what God did in bringing his people out of Egypt. And all the many things God did. And I'm sure they knew all that. So they had a basis for which they could say, King, our God will deliver us. Is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. But let's continue in their response. Verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your God's nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. King, even in case our God doesn't deliver us, as far as our commitment is concerned, that will not change. We will not bow to your gods and we will not bow to your gold image. I want you to think about these three men. The seriousness of their commitment. This was not a light thing. Their life was at stake. They were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And yet at that juncture when their entire life was at stake. And, and all of this. They said we are not going to bow. Going to be burnt alive. Our commitment to God is fixed. Can't change that. I wonder where we are today in our commitment to the Lord. I mean, is it that serious? Because, you know, it's easy on a Sunday morning. We worship God. We sing nice songs. We tell God we love Him. We tell we have faith. We make a declaration. It's easy on a Sunday morning. It's easy when... Everything is okay. And, but look, when you and I are actually in a place like this, what would we do? I was asking the question for myself. Not just you, myself as well. What would I do? Is my love for the Lord strong enough Serious enough. But I would say, look, you're telling me to do something which my God says no. So I'm going to obey my God. Do we have that kind of a commitment, love, devotion to the Lord in whom we believe? Gotta ask ourselves. You know. They could have looked at several options. I mean, imagine if it was some of us, three of us, maybe we would have sat down and discussed, hey, let's do a half a bow. I mean, just, just, just a half a bow. So at least we tell God we didn't bow fully. And we tell the king, and we can tell the king we did bow. Let's do half a bow. 
Or maybe we would have thought of a, of a couple of other things. You know, like, he, we'll tell God, God, you know, you told us to obey authorities. And the king is telling us to bow, so we obey the authority we bow. But you know our heart, our heart actually bows to you. So God, on the outside we are bowing, but on the inside we are standing. I mean, modern Christians would have had these kind of ideas. Try to find a way out of this thing. Or maybe some of us who are more spiritual would have done this. But about and gone and gone gone back to God and say, I'm sorry, God. Because we know we can always repent. So why not take that option? Just do it and then go and repent. God the power of the blood of Jesus, we sing about it. So of course, we're getting get it wiped out. But these men didn't look at any of those options. It was not part of their consideration. They knew one thing. We will not bow to anything else. That's it. They're not looking for some options. Even the king provided an option. So you're this close to the fire, but I'm giving you a second chance. Please consider taking it. Sorry, King. It's not even a matter for discussion. No discussions at this point. I mean, we settle in our hearts. Now, you and I understand that God has placed authority in our lives. So in the home, parents are an authority. In uh, the workplace, your boss, your managers are an authority. In the church, leaders there are there. Out there in civil government, there are police, there are others in authority. And God has called us to honor, respect, and submit to the authorities that he has appointed in various places. And we must do that. But we also understand that all submission to human authority is only to express our submission to God, ultimately. It's got to be in alignment. So when I submit to human authority, it's an expression of my submission to God. But the moment human authority causes me to deviate from my submission to God, then I'm in a position where I can refuse to submit to human authority. Because ultimately, my submission must be to God. So in your workplace, if your boss is telling you to, you know, help him embezzle some money and say, come on, do this for me, I'll give you 20%. No. He's your boss, but that's when you say no, because your submission ultimately is to the Lord who calls you to walk, calls you and me to walk in righteousness, in integrity. So that's when we are authorized or permitted to dishonor human authority in order to submit to God and do what's right in his eyes. And that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing at this point. I'm sure in all other matters, they were very submitted to the king. They did what the king said. They were part of his government. They did whatever he asked them to do in all other matters. But when it came to issues 
or to this issue of worshiping someone God said don't worship. Their ultimate submission is to the Lord. So we can't even use an excuse saying God, human authority is telling me to do this, so excuse me. No. We are called to honor God and we do it. When we submit to human authority, we are doing it in alignment to the things God has taught us and instructed us. Now you know the rest of the story how Nebuchadnezzar gets so angry he says let's intensify the heat make it seven times more he calls his best soldiers they uh, tie up these three men they throw them into the furnace it's so hot that the soldiers themselves are killed by the heat but a few moments later Nebuchadnezzar sees the most amazing thing with his eyes he sees these three men standing in the middle of the fire and he sees a fourth man with them. Telling us what our God will do for us. If we only honor him above everything else. But understand that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, their commitment to God was absolute. To the point where they said, even if our God does not deliver us, our commitment will not change. Their commitment to God was not conditional. You know, some of us are like that. We say, God, if you give me a job, I will come to church. If you do this for me, then I will follow you. If you deliver me from, if you are surely going to deliver me from the fiery furnace, then I will stand up for you. That was not their kind of commitment. It's not conditional. It was absolute. Whether God delivers me from the fire or not, that's not the issue. The issue is, I am so totally committed to Him, I will not bow to anything else. It's not about the fire. It's about my commitment to the Lord. Some of us sometimes have a commitment to God that's conditional. If God does this, I will do this. That was not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were totally absolute in their commitment. We will stand up for the Lord. So God comes through for them, delivers them. And through that whole experience, Nebuchadnezzar says, their God is the true God. It's very important for us to understand that a life of compromise will never honor or glorify God. A life of compromise will never honor or glorify God. In fact, a compromised life only brings dishonor to the Lord. Because people are confused. They say, like, you go to church on Sunday morning, you do all these things, and then now you're living like this. I mean, what's up? They don't understand. But when you and I stand and live a life that does not bow to other gods, it's through that kind of a life that God is honored and glorified. Now I want to translate this story into our times. You know, you and I may never be put in an exact same situation like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most likely. I don't think there's ever going to be a time when you know, somebody puts you up in front of an image and say, 
bow, else your head will be off. It may not happen. Most likely will not happen. But yet, if we can translate that, that experience into our world, into what you and I face every day, and then ask ourselves the question, what would we do? Would we bow? You, know, you and I live in a time when there are many golden images that are presented to us. And there is always the pressure and the threat that accompanies it. There is the pressure, sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes it's very subtle, saying bow to this golden image. And there is a threat, there is the consequence. If you don't bow, this and this will happen. And you and I can identify some of these golden images in our own lives. What are these images before me? Where the pressure is to bow to that image. And if I don't, there's going to be some consequence. I want us to consider just three golden images, so to speak, that I've put down. You could think about other things. And the real test here is this, that when we face these golden images, are we going to stand up? Are we going to stand by our allegiance to our Lord and to His Word? Are we going to bow our knees? Let's talk about the golden image of money and success. You face it almost every day. There is this pressure to bow before this golden image. There's nothing wrong with money and success. God blesses His people. He provides, He gives us jobs to work and have good success. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question is, in our pursuit of wealth and success, do we sometimes unintentionally bow our knees to that golden image? So what do you mean? It means that if I choose money and success above honoring God, if I choose money and success above following through on God's call for my life, if I choose money and success and make it more important and doing something God calls me to do, then I'm bowing to the golden image of money and success. I don't know how this is going to work out in your life and mine. But I had a simple thing or maybe part of my journey. I knew God had called me to serve Him in this nation. I knew God had called me to establish a church in the city of Bangalore and look at impacting the entire nation of India, raising up churches and making a difference. That was my call. And I knew it when I was 15. But I had to do what all the others, all of us do, go through college and study and earn and start a living and so on. And so for my graduate studies, I went to the United States, to my studies, started working. There's the, there was always the option. You can live in the U.S., get your green card, settle down. Always there. But right from the time we went there, Mahabha said, God, I know I have to go back to Bangalore. I know I have to raise up a church. I know I have to impact the nation. 
when do you want me to do it? Tell me when I'm ready. I'll go back. But there are all these options. You can settle on there. You can always travel back and forth. Nothing wrong. All these options are there. You still serve God in India. But listen. For me, the call was clear. I had to be here to do what God called me to do. So when the time came, the entire duration when we were living there, we lived in a manner where anytime God could say go and we'd be able to move. So when the time came and God said go, it was easy for us to get up and go. We will not bow to the God of money and success. It's okay. As long as God is providing, it's fine. But that doesn't take precedence over the call of God and what God wants us to do. Now, I don't know how it works out in your life. I'm not saying it's wrong to go and live in any, part of the, any other part of the world. That's, that's between you and God. The point is, and you, ha- you and I have to choose between money and success and serving God or doing what He's telling us to do. What will you choose is the question. How it works out in your life personally could be very different. But the issue is the same. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. He's going to hate the one, he's going to love the other. He's going to be loyal to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and the image of money and success, mammon. Your allegiance has to be to one. And it has to be practical. You've got to live it out in everyday life. What about the golden image of pleasure and worldliness? We face this around us all the time. Pleasure, worldliness. Now, there's nothing wrong in enjoying the good things God's given to us. You want to go for a holiday to the beach? Go. You want to go to a holiday to a hill station? Go. Enjoy what God's put around us. That's fine. You want to have a nice meal? Go. Enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the good things that God's put around us. But the question is, will that become more important? Then obedience to God. Would I bow to the image of pleasure and worldliness and compromise or give up on holiness and purity which are mandated by God? What will I do? If I have to make a choice between Pleasure and sin is always pleasurable and worldliness. If I have to bow before those things or if I have to stay pure, stay holy, what will I choose? And this plays out in life every day when you're with your friends. In school or college, and they say, "Come on, let's go." Let's just little, little smoke, little drink, or let's go watch this movie. And you know, it's not clean. Hey, what are you gonna do? Said, "Pastor, just little drink. Don't worry, Sunday I'll come clean, Pastor." Hey, it's not about Sunday. 
It's about your life and your commitment to Almighty God. It's not about me. You're not impressing me. I can't take you to heaven anyway. So forget about impressing me or impressing any other person. It's about you and God. I mean, are you going to honor him at that moment? Or are you going to bow before this golden image of pleasure and worldliness? What are you going to do? And we got this golden image coming to us in various forms. It comes as pornography. It comes as, uh, you know, whether it's drinking, smoking. It comes as all kinds of things. Various forms of expression. This golden image has. You and I always have to choose. Am I going to say no to that and live by purity and holiness, which I know God has called me to because my God is holy. He's called me to be holy. He's called me to stay away from these things. I will bow to these gods. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26, talks about Moses and says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So he says, look at Moses. He could have enjoyed pleasure. He was growing up in Pharaoh's palace. He was next in line, possibly. And the palace afforded him everything, all the pleasure, all the comforts. But when it came time, when he knew what God had called him to do and raised him up for, the Bible says he said no to the pleasures, the passing pleasures of sin. He said no. He refused to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He rather chose to suffer for the sake of God's people. Do you and I flirt with the world during the week and Sunday morning we clean up and look nice in church? What do we do? Bible makes it so clear in James 4 4 it says friendship with the world is enmity with God and you can't have both one last golden image I want to just mention this morning before we pray what about the golden image of acceptance and compromise the need to be accepted it's always there it's part of of every person. We want to be accepted. We want to fit in. We want to be part of the crowd. But that always means we got to compromise. So in your school, your college, your, your friends behave a certain way, do certain things. and If you don't do that and you don't go with them, you're going to be left out. Don't be the lone person. So there is that pressure, that subtle pressure saying, hey, you've got to bow to this God of acceptance. Only then you can fit in, be part of the crowd, have fun, be with them, etc. 
in your place of work, if you choose to walk in integrity, it's very likely you're going to be left out. In your place of work, if you choose to uh, be a good person, not be like the others, pulling others down and trying to backbite and, 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 and try to make your way up somehow, but doing wrong things, you'll be left out. So what's the normal response? Let's read in. And at that time, you've got to ask yourself the question. Am I going to bow to this golden image of acceptance and therefore compromise the way I do things, the life, the way I live life? Or will I take my stand to be the kind of person God's called me to be? Which means you live by the word. And if people ask you, why don't you do it? You say, look, this is what my Bible teaches me. That's why I don't do that. Why don't you come along? Say, no, because this is what my Bible teaches me. You're not ashamed of God's word in real life. It's good to hear the word on Sunday morning and learn. But what do we do with that word out there in the world? That's what matters. Jesus said it like this in Mark 8 and verse 38. He says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes to the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. So don't be ashamed of that word. I remember in school, people called me names. They called me Holy Joe. And it's okay. Why? Because... I wanted to follow the Bible, live the way God told me to live and was preaching God's word. So they called me names. It's okay. But the end of it, 10th standard, 12th standard, got the best outgoing student. So what do you say? Doesn't matter. So in your workplace, people might call you things. They make, ridic- they make fun of you. And if you say the reason why you're not doing something is because the Bible says it, They will give you names. They will insult you. So there's always this pressure, sometimes subtle, sometimes very open, to force you to bow. But Jesus said, you cannot afford to be ashamed of me or my words. In this adulterous generation. Yeah, the world is bad, it's sinful. You can't afford to be ashamed of me or my words. What I've taught you, stay by it. Live by it. Don't bow to anything. Don't bow to the pressure of acceptance and compromise. No to it. Because my knees will not bow to any other God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are referred to in Hebrews 11 verses 33 and 34 as, as the writer of Hebrews talks about people who through faith subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions Verse 34, they quenched the violence of fire. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Men of faith. So this morning, before we close, I want us to ask some personal questions. Ask yourself, and I need to ask myself, is our commitment to our Lord absolute? So that nothing will cause us to bow our knees to anything else or anyone else? Is my commitment to the Lord absolute? It's not conditional. 
It's not like, okay, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. You must remember, it's only when I live an uncompromising life will God be honored and glorified. That's the only way He can be honored and glorified. A life of compromise does not glorify God. We can encourage ourselves with this, that whatever fiery furnace we may end up being thrown into, the fourth man will be there. He'll be there for you, to deliver you, to bring you out, to see you through. So don't let the fear and the intimidation of that fiery furnace determine your choice. Let your choice be determined by your heart. This is what I believe. This is what I'll stand for. Let's rise to our feet. We're going to pray. I'll call our worship team, please. One good news is from this Sunday onwards, the flight to Manglo leaves one hour late. <laughs> so I get to be here. I can spend time praying for people, but I'll still make it in time uh, for the service in Manglo. So that's good news. I don't know why they did it. <laughs> so I don't have to rush off. This morning, I just want us to pray and ask ourselves this question. Let's not wait Till we find ourselves in a situation where there is this pressure to bow before a golden image. But right here this morning, when you're in a safe environment, when you're in the presence of God, can we ask Him to deal with our hearts and say, God, today, as I stand here, I want to settle it in my heart. That if ever I face, if, I'm, if ever I'm in a situation like this, but I'm under pressure to bow to anything else. Today, I want to settle it in my heart. I will not bow. I'm not going to wait for that time to think, you know, what's the right thing to do. No, no, no. Right now, today, I'm settling in my heart that my allegiance is always and is entirely, it's completely for the Lord. Whether it's a golden image of success and money, whether it's a golden image of pleasure and sin and worldliness, or whether it's a golden image of acceptance and compromise, or whether it may be something else, I don't know. I want to settle it in my heart this morning. If ever I'm in a place like that, I already have decided what I'm going to do. I will not bow. Would you, between you and the Lord, do that? Or perhaps there may have been areas where we've already bowed our knees and we've already compromised and we've already gone out and done things we know we shouldn't do. But this morning, would you come back? Would you say, God, I'm sorry. I want to come to a place where I have the strength to not bow again.
I'm sorry for what I've done in the past. The past is behind me. But this morning, I want to have a new beginning. Give me the strength not to bow again. Would you make that a prayer in your heart? If that applies to you. Let's just take this time, just personally, between you and the Lord, to do the responder's word, to settle it in our hearts and minds this morning before we go out. Or what we're going to do. So, Father, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'll deal with each one of our hearts and minds, O oh God. Even as we stand here, release strength so that we will be strong when we go out into this world and face those moments of pressure. We will have the strength to say, no, I will not bow. Because I've already made up my heart and my mind. We invite you, Lord, just to work in our hearts, even as we wait upon you this morning. I have heard how Christians long ago were bought before a tyrant's throne. They were told that he would spare their lives if they would renounce the name of Christ. But one by one, they chose to die but the son of God they would not deny like a great angelic choir sings I can almost hear their voices ring I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all I will seek to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Now the years have come, and the years have gone, and the cause of Jesus goes on now my time has come to count the cost to reject this world and embrace the cross I pledge allegiance to the land with all my strength with all
our allegiance to you this morning. We're going to sing it again. and As we sing it again, I want you to just pray with one other person next to you. Pray for him and let him pray for you. Just say, God, strengthen us. Strengthen us, God. Right here this morning, we are making up our heart and minds that if ever in our lives we are faced with the government, we will not bow. We will know to whom we've pledged our allegiance. So we just find one person next to you, just turn around. It could be someone, your own family member, or could be a friend, or somebody unknown to you, it doesn't matter. Just one, <clears throat> just find one person. Just introduce yourself and say, hi, this is me. Just pray for each other. Just pray for each other. Say, God, I pray for him. And you let him pray for you. Just pray. Pray for one another. Say, God, give us strength, oh God, this morning. Release strength, oh God. That our allegiance is always to you. Father, we pray that this morning, God, you will bring each one of us to that place of no compromise. Bring us to that place of strength, oh God. And we will not bow. We will not bow. That in the place and at the point where it really matters, we will stand for what you've taught us we will live by the things you've given to us, Father. We'll have the courage to say no. No matter what the consequence, no matter what the threat, no matter what the outcome. 
Allow the courage to say no. So come Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts this morning. Just getting us ready, getting us ready, getting us ready. And our hearts and our minds will be settled, O oh God. Restore our hearts this morning. Do an unwavering and unswerving devotion and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Restore our hearts. Restore our minds. Let's sing it together one more time. I pledge allegiance to the land with all my strength, with all I am. I will seek to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the land. pray that you raise us up as men and women as people God who are devoted to you and who will love not our lives even unto death that our faith in you our devotion to you our obedience to you becomes more important than life or death help us to go live this out in a meaningful way in our schools and our colleges and our places of work may the world see who you are be glorified through our lives as we live lives that honor you as we live lives of no compromise be glorified we thank you Lord in Jesus name Amen let's close the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
God bless you all. Have a great day, great Sunday, great week. See you all again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.